and welcome to another House of the Dragon after stream, I, I suppose. I am having trouble finding words. That was pretty crazy from start to end. Otto at his worst. Hang on a second. Laris just doing Laris things. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, let, let's start at the very beginning. The whole scene with Laris and Alicent. That is something that is going to make me think about that for probably like three days straight. Everything about what he was doing, why he said it, what he said, how he said it, and his choice of what to do with the information there is really something special. Whoa, Maura Lee, $100. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Maura. Do you have a question, Maura? Other than what, wow, what an episode? I can do, I can answer questions. We got some from, from YouTube as well. I put up a post for people to throw things on there to make sure I don't miss them. I got two so far. You want to put them on there, but yeah, thank you so much more. That's super generous. I don't deserve it, but I, I do appreciate it. So Laris, let, let's break this down. Okay. So the first thing that happens, I think is Allison is speaking with Otto. Otto's leaving in the rain. It's very sad, which is weird that the episode is trying to tell you to be sad about Otto leaving because Otto is a piece of shit, but apparently that's what's going on there. You're supposed, I think they're trying to get you to emphasize, empathize, empathize with, with mostly Allison. They're trying to get you to feel the pain of her father leaving. And you really get the sense that Allison is now totally on her own. She has no allies back at court anymore. Rhaenyra is going to turn on her or has, I guess. She's going to have no help on the small council because Melos and Beesbury are toadies. They are not power players. The Strongs have taken over. Lionel is now hand of the king. Sad for Allison. Definitely not sad for Otto. But he went to his most Tywin I've ever heard Otto B. He went, he was like simpering and he was like begging, like half begging Viserys at the end of the last episode about how, you know, he didn't do what, she, what any, he didn't do any of these things. He's totally innocent, my lord. None of it happened. And then and in this one, he straight up tells Alicent to prepare Aegon to rule because a war is coming, quite clearly telling her that whether she likes it or not, the high towers are going to war for her kids and she really doesn't have a choice in it. I thought that was really manipulative by Otto. He was, you felt like he was trying to prepare Allison for the rallies way coming. He's like, you know, wake up, you know, you're very smart. You can't see this. And it's, but the thing is that Otto is just telling her that he's going to go to war and he's going to marshal forces. He's going to politic his way to make Aegon on the iron throne, whether she wants anything to do with it or not. And to get on the same page. Cause otherwise, you know, she like, Otto is basically holding Allison hostage for the rest of her life now. The High Tower and him and all their allies are going to do this whether she wants to or not. So, you know, get on board, Allison, or else prepare to be another casualty in a civil war, which is a horrible thing to tell your daughter. Man, Otto sucks. Yeah, I, I think it's I think in that that particular scene i think it's good to feel well not being that good i think it's correct to feel bad for allison that she really has no choice in what he's doing and what otto's doing this is all above her head this is the lords are going to do this thing and she just has to go with it or not and another it's another running part of allison really not having any real agency in what's going on of course, later, uh, Allison does her own thing. A little confused about why Allison finding out that it was Kristen and not Damon made her go on the warpath. Isn't that so much better than it's Damon? I think for, I, I don't know, maybe for Allison, she thinks it's worse to make Kingsguard break his vows than, than humping your uncle. I'm not really sure. 
I, I would have to, I think you would have to have a more detailed look into Allison's like inner level of crimes to figure out which one is worse. Maybe it just to hurt Allison more for her to realize that, uh, that Rhaenyra not just lied to her once, but lied to her twice. Like, obviously she lied about Damon, but now she's finding out it was like a double lie where she just went back after almost getting off with Damon and then actually just started humping Kristen, I guess. So, all right. So yeah, a lot of people were tagging me on Twitter about the, about Lara Strong. So I think we should go right into Laris. There's a lot of highlights here, but I think what they did with Laris was absolutely perfect. And also if you guys watched my video this week about a Laris potentially being a greens here, boy, did they ever drop a pretty major hint about that in this episode if you go back and you watch the if you go back and watch exactly what happens before you see laris before he's before you see him talking the camera is on the weirwood with the bleeding eyes and then you hear laris's voice cutting into the scene that is pretty on the nose if you guys didn't see the video i made the argument that i think that laris is going to be revealed as a skin changer in a green sea much more a, a lot of people tend to think that he's Littlefinger and varus because you know he's a spy master character but i kind of went for the path that i think he's going to be instead a much more magical and that the inclusion of the weirwoods and all this weird imagery and the increased focus on dreams and prophecy are not going nowhere especially on the children of the forest side actually could one of the mods grab the link to that and throw it into the chat if people haven't watched it you know watch it after the stream it is the most Joe Magician video I think I have ever made. It's got the Strongs. It's got Green Seers. It's got Lara Strong. It's got Weirwood. It's got Magic. It's it's all of the things. Yeah, that was a really interesting directorial choice to make to show us the Weirwood while Lara starts talking, and then also just to break down what's going on exactly with what he's doing. So he just on a on what literally happens in the scene. Laris approaches Allison, asks her, you know, you're alone. Do you need any allies? These kind of things, trying to offer his services to her, basically. Now that his father's hand of the king, Laris has obviously risen in power at court. They have not established his job yet. That'll be coming, of course. Uh, his not-so-savory job. Thank you, Sasuke. And... Allison is is obviously broken up about what just happened with Otto, and she does feel totally alone. You can see Laris taking advantage of this to prey on the idea that Allison is very vulnerable. And she kind of they, they just kind of sort of talk things out and they talk about Rhaenyra and what's going at court. And he actually questions if Rhaenyra is her ally. And you get Allison going like, What? Of course she is. But then he drops the super interesting information that he knows, he knows, not guessing, he knows that Archmaester, that Grandmaster Melos made moon tea and delivered it to Rhaenyra that night or that day after their conversation. If you guys don't know what moon tea is, it's basically the, the morning after pill for Westeros. It induces, stops pregnancies from happening after sex. Otto is a jerk, period. You are correct, Christina. <laughs> So, and he sort of drops this as in a very, very slick way where he's like, oh, I heard that uh, Rhaenyra wasn't, isn't well. And Allison's like, what, what are you talking about? What's wrong with Rhaenyra? And Laris goes, oh, well, yeah, Melos brought her some tea for some kind of sickness. Boy, what could that be? And then this like waits for Allison to catch up to it, to alert her to the fact that he knows 
Well, to allow Allison to catch up to the idea that Rainier did actually have sex that night, but not with who that's, that part is, yeah, it's not just morning after it's, it's generally like an abortion thing, but yeah, you're right. It, it does go further than that. But most of the time they like, they take the moon tea right afterwards. So you do, it doesn't, so the pregnancy doesn't get too far along. Okay. Allison realizes that Rhaenyra lied to her, that the tea was moon tea, that she was worried she was got pregnant, that the king is worried she got pregnant, and that she took it, and that Melos administered it. Okay, so that sets off Allison for the rest of this episode. It's that little piece of information from Lair Strong to sort of prodding Allison into chaos and to realize that Rhaenyra was lying to her to realize that, that she's been betrayed by her best friend. Now that is on the surface of it, fairly interesting to begin with. And you could be forgiven for thinking that, you know, maybe Laris is just kind of, uh, you know, he, he's just dropping some information. He doesn't really know what it means, but clearly he does. He understands what, what this is all about. So he knows number one, that Rhaenyra definitely had sex that night. He understands too that the moon tea was made and delivered to Rhaenyra by Melos and the king sent it. All information we know from the episode is true. So I, I know, I'm sorry. I was just trying to make it simple. There are people that probably did not get the implications of the tea itself. I know it does more. It's just, just trying to make it simple. So Laris has all this information, right? But he chooses, he doesn't trade it for anything. He doesn't use it to gain power over anyone. He gives it, just hands it over to Allison to see what it does, to see how it turns over in her head, to see what she does with this information about Rainier. Remember that this information is something that could be used to blackmail Rainier, something he could tell the Valarians, something he could use to possibly hold over Damon or Kristen. But instead, instead, Laris speaking as the old gods, literally as the old gods in this situation, being a weirwood, he's actually a weirwood in this scene, tells Allison. Now that is a curious, curious choice. Why would he do that? Why would Laris seek to drive a wedge between Rhaenyra and Allison? Because everything that happens afterwards is because of the information. Her lack of trust in Rhaenyra causes Allison to seek out different allies. It means the two of them won't be united anymore. It means he now has trust in Allison that he gave her true information when everyone else is lying to her. It caused her to seek out Kristen and find out the information about, yes, that he actually, he and Rhaenyra did have sex and probably continue to. And it's, it is a bit curious because there, I mean, this is this is not going to be a major spoiler. We're going to find this out next episode. If you guys watch the after the episode or the preview, they basically tell us this. The Strongs, pretty much all of them end up on Rhaenyra's side. But Laris here is seemingly currying favor with the High Towers and the Greens. And there's no explanation why he's doing it. There's no explanation in Fire and Blood. There's no explanation in the episode. So I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you think Laris's game is here? Is he just trying to, is he trying to like separate Rhaenyra and Allison for some reason? Is he trying to divide the court? Is he working against his father? Is he, is this something Lionel wants him to do? It's, it's very much like, is he, I don't know, is Laris into Allison? Is that what he's trying to do? Trying to build trust in order to maybe be, be the next, be Allison's next husband or something like that? Because the, there doesn't seem to be a lot of gain for Laris. There's a lot of chaos, 
but it seems like he's trying to ally him or he's trying to build trust through Allison already, which is a weird thing to do. Connections all sides could be the strong, <laughs> the strongs playing both sides against each other. So they end up on top. I think he's just a pot star. Some of us want to watch the world burn there. That definitely is one of the theories that comes out of fire and blood where there's like, I don't know, maybe that guy just likes chaos. Maybe he just like screwing with anybody. Is Larson macking it from, from It's Always Sunny? It is a bit curious. He could he could have used the same information to make sure that he's Rhaenyra's best friend and further and make sure that the heir and the strongs end up continuing into the future because that's basically what happened with Otto Hightower. He was Hand of the King for Jaehaerys after Jaehaerys dies. Seraph names him Hand of the King and they keep the precision at court. So you would think with Rindu to become, you know, next queen of the Seven Kingdoms, that would be in the interest of the Strongs to make sure that they have good relations with her. But also, on the other hand, could this could be like the playing both sides against each other. Yeah, maybe Laris is creating a backup plan. In case thing goes, things go to hell and Rhaenyra doesn't end up on the Iron Throne, making sure that maybe the family still has an in to the green side, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Seven, four of seven. The casting for Laris is perfect. I thought his mannerisms were great. I thought his his very quiet way of speaking and the way he just kind of dropped information kind of like accidentally like it fell out of his pocket or something like that when it was clearly something that he planned to do and that he sought out Allison in front of the weird specifically to do that is interesting and of course the other the other uh, part of it to consider is if Luris is a green seer and a skin changer like I kind of think he is is this part of a larger plan uh, for the dance of the dragons if he's actually behind a lot of this stuff like the controlling the rats or he's controlling the white heart and the boar and stuff like that. Is there, is he serving some larger purpose by making sure that there's friction between the upcoming claimants? Because there's definitely a world where Alicent goes back to the godswood. She's in front of the weirwood and Laris totally consoles her and tells her she did the right thing by standing by Rhaenyra and makes, makes sure there's no animosity between the queen and the future queen. Instead, he does the opposite make sure that they are going to be unhappy to be around each other. And Emily Carey spends the rest of the episode basically mean mugging Rhaenyra for it. So mission accomplished if he was trying to get them to hate each other. It totally worked. Yeah, the rats were in the bedroom the last episode. They were watching Rhaenyra when she went out through the secret passages. The rats were in the hall, the great hall at the end of the episode. Yeah, it makes you wonder. Actually, I tweeted this out while it was going on where... Laris says that he got it from Maester Melos that the moon tea was delivered to Alice was delivered to Rhaenyra on the king's command. And I don't know about you guys, that is a lie. <laughs> there is zero chance that Melos told Laris that. Zero. It did not happen. So the question is, how did Laris know? Also, if it if it really did come from Melos, he would not betray that. So for some reason, somehow. Laris is aware of everything Rhaenyra did that night. And you know who saw everything that went on that night? Everybody apparently in, in Flea Bottom, but also the rats. And also, you know, there's secret passages into Rhaenyra's room, which they just established. So very, very possible that Laris used just good spy master tactics, but also, also, I mean, they also told the whole story in front of the Weirwood. So 
there's multiple avenues of a way for Laris to figure this out. Keep watching the rats. Yeah. I think that every time you see the rats do something, think Laris and then compare it to what he knows later. I'm guessing they're going to be one to one that he's going to know things he can't know unless somebody told him unless there are eyes in the room that nobody saw either from behind the secret passages or him using his powers. All right. So we, we started the stream. We spent 20 minutes talking about, about Lara strong because that's apparently what I do these days. Yeah. The blood drinking rat in the throne room. Yep. Yeah. I don't think Melos would give up that information to a strong. I think he would tell Otto. I don't think he would tell Lara strong. I don't think there's any reason to do it. He's also just kind of a buffoon. Yeah, they definitely showed off Melos as incompetent again in this episode. Oh, boy. Yes, that's true. Lee. Arwen would have definitely told Laris about being about seeing Damon and Rhaenyra. So that is also another source of information for him. Yeah, I'm wondering only Shadow can if, if Laris does have a thing for Allison. It would not be unusual for something like that to happen. Hang on a second. And Lord knows everyone else in the Red Keep is hooking up with people they're not supposed to. <laughs> just keeping the brand of the Strongs going. That's what I do here. We're just all about the Strongs. So you guys are talking about the Maesters and Melos and his treatment. Let's just skip to that. Let's go to that right now. So multiple times in this episode, Viserys basically falls down or almost falls down. He is visibly sick throughout it. He is sweating. He is clammy. He looks like shit. We see... It's something that Corlys notes. It's something that Rainey's notes. They both think he looks terrible. He has to go down and take a nap after talking for like five seconds. Oh, Egg the Sixth. I have been reminded that you get a hammer or a wrench. Welcome to the mod team, buddy. And there's the scene where Melos, again, where this is the third time now, where it appears that Melos has no, no idea what he's doing. Whatever sickness that Viserys has is not being healed. He, it has spread to his back. It is spreading down his arm. And I couldn't tell if that was something like a weird, like poultice or a leech or something on it, or if that, or if that was actually what he has going on. I've heard, I think I saw something that Patty Considine said on Instagram that it's leprosy. I mean, that would make sense. Leprosy is in those times was uncurable. You could only treat the symptoms. And we've seen from the they put up like a Snapchat promo or something and they showed Viserys wearing a mask, which is typical, especially if you played Crusader Kings. When your characters get disfigured, especially if they get leprosy, they end up putting on like a golden mask on their face to hide it. So, but the same thing that happened in this episode is the same thing that happened in the first episode. Actually, I talked about this in my Maester Conspiracy video. Mods, if you could grab that one too, I appreciate it put it into the chat once again we have a junior maester this time maester Orwile. fans of fire and blood will remember Orwile. he ends up being kind of a big deal it's kind of like a clay and it pulls out heat oh, okay i wasn't sure what i was looking at if that was actually like the infection itself or if that was something they put on it it's yeah leprosy can be cured now it can't be cured back then there's a reason to yeah, in Kingdom of Heaven, Sir, I mean, King Baldwin, I believe, is, wear, is wearing one. So, so you have that going on. Once again, you have a junior maester telling Melos what he thinks they should do, implying that the leechings and the treatment they're giving is ineffective, that it's not working, that it's just making things worse. Melos disagrees and says, no, keep leeching him. It always makes the king feel better. I don't know if that's true or not, but you can sort of tell from his reaction and his general demeanor that it does not seem to be working. And also they, they kind of had Melos act very, he kind of bumbled his way out of the scene. 
which the actor himself is a very good actor. I don't think he, that's an accident. I think they probably told them. Oh, thank you, Curtis Franks. Thank you for grabbing the video for me. Uh, if you guys want to check that one out, I had after episodes one and two, I had been like, I don't know. Are they trying to kill him or did they just suck? In this one, the question is not resolved. If it is something like leprosy, they basically have no chance. At that time, the technology did not exist to, to cure it. So if he has it, they neither suck nor they're trying to kill him. But this is the third episode that they have had the Maesters try something on Viserys and have it not work and made Melos look like a fool each time. So I don't know. I don't know which way to go. Certainly Otto Hightower said something interesting at the start of the episode where he said that Viserys is not a well man and he will not live to have a long life. Boy, that I mean, that could just be like true that he knows that Viserys has something that's not going away and it's going to eat at him and it's going to kill him eventually. But that also supports the idea that there's some kind of that maybe there's something going on that they're specifically not trying to help him with what things they know will work. Let's actually start a poll on this one. Ismael's trying to kill King Viserys. Of course, I'm assuming it's leprosy. We don't really know what it is. I, I only saw that talk through Twitter. I didn't see it myself. I don't even know if it's true. So certainly there is a lot of gray rats here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, good call, Christina. If he hasn't, it makes your limbs numb. So he cut himself more leprosy plus infection. Yeah, it would kind of fit. But again, if that's what he has, it is not Melos's fault that he's getting worse. He's going to get worse no matter what, which kind of adds a, it's interesting that they're kind of dropping all these hints. You can see it each way if you want it if you want to at this point you can see it in terms of yes the maesters are trying to make this worse yes they are trying to kill emma yes they are trying to make sure viserys didn't have more children or something like that you could also see it as no maybe they just suck at their job and he's this kind of a bumbling fool that's certainly how he's been portrayed but you could also see it again another way and maybe it's a disease that they never had a chance against i don't think it's grayscale i don't believe that's what he has I, we've seen grayscale and he keeps getting, I don't know, he keeps getting weird infections from small things. I did enjoy that uh, that scene, though, in terms of Lionel Strong's reaction to it, where he's overseeing this, he's talking to the king, and he's like, boy, things are not going okay with Viserys. Like, this is not getting better. That was kind of crazy. Maesters are always trying to kill the dragons. Mm. Although... I don't think they would want to kill Viserys, because uh, maybe they do now that Otto's out of power, but doesn't really help him let me see if there's any from youtube i missed oh almost all of them are about uh, Kristen. oh here's one from red real real red real some people are saying the maesters or high towers are poisoning viserys so yeah we, we just kind of just talked about that i should have said that i should have read that one beforehand but i don't know i mean the ch the the votes on the chat are basically split 56 44 i guess it kind of depends on what he has i don't know what you could be poisoning him that would give him these symptoms you know if he was being poisoned, he would have been dead a long time ago and the symptoms would not be real. I'm sorry. Red real. I'm terrible with names. I do my best. I'm just bad at them. Red real. Yeah. If, if they were actually trying to kill him, he'd be dead already. It's been like four years. It's the worst poisoning job if they're actually doing it. My thoughts on if they're trying to kill him, it's by denying him good care. But even that, I mean, there's so much... So much easier ways to to get him to die if they really wanted to. Yeah, everyone knows I'm just terrible at names. It's just how we roll. So let's see here. Uh, obviously, Lionel Hightower. I mean, Lionel Strong. Woo, that was a bad one. Lionel Strong ends up becoming Hand of the King in this episode and seems to be doing a 
pretty good job. He's advocating well for Viserys. He's properly pissed at the Valarians for kind of showing up Viserys by not showing up on time. He's giving good advice. He is correctly wary of things that are happening around him. Like, I thought it was interesting that that he instantly caught that he's like, oh, Damon definitely killed Rhea Royce. He didn't even have to think about it. He instantly just goes like, oh, shit. He just killed his wife. This is now going to be a problem I have to deal with. Yes, the, the rats are definitely a form of foreshadowing, but there could be a lot more. The Yes, Laris's rats, his rats in the walls. God, George loves that story from Lovecraft, the rats in the walls. So let's let's go ahead and jump to that part. This is all kind of integrated with each other. We have the scene of the journey, the journey to Driftmark. Once again, Viserys and Rhaenyra are basically not talking at this point. They're going there to negotiate the marriage pact, which is interesting that they didn't do it already. I figured from looking at the scenes leading up to it that this would have already been worked out and that this was a formality that they were going to have Rhaenyra and Lenor like I guess meet again or whatever that they were just going to iron out the the details but no apparently this was just the this was the proposal Viserys journeys all the way to Driftmark by boat and proposes marriage between Lenor and Rhaenyra and just kind of does it <laughs> He scores goes like, I would like to propose a marriage. Like it's a Crusader Kings pop up or something like that. Are those bananas on my shirt? They sure are. And pineapples. Got my Hawaiian shirt going. Kristen's upset this whole time. Kristen is upset the whole episode. Actually, sweet, uh, sweet Melissa. Rainies agrees with you. Rainies correctly noted that it was inelegant and a weak move for Viserys to journey all the way to Driftmark. That as the king, he should have summoned Corlys and Lanor and Rhaenys all to come to King's Landing and sit before him and to work all this out. It was it was almost groveling that he went to them, which, of course, Rhaenys and Corlys realized they were like, oh, we have all the power here. Viserys needs us. We don't need him. We're good. Yes, a king should not have to ask. Kristen needs to chill. Kristen needs to chill about a lot of things. We're getting to Kristen. Don't you worry. We're not letting the crispy off on this one. Holy shit, did he have an episode. So, and you can tell the Valarians are enjoying having Viserys over a barrel here because when they walk up, there's nobody there. It's just Joffrey, Lawmouth, and Lenor just kind of playing at swords. Obviously they can see the ship coming. They can see the carriage coming. It is a choice that they decided not to have a welcoming party ready for the King, which Lord strong goes like, what, what do you get? What the hell is this? What are you guys doing? Why are you not greeting your King? And Lena comes out and gives the bullshit response that basically amounts to a, a smile and a, we're going to make you rue having to do this. We are going to lord this over you the entire time which they do. And it's actually the way that they frame the scene. Viserys has to walk through all the halls, seeing Osvalarian's greatness and all of, all of Coralise's trophies. And then, and then he has to walk up to Coralise sitting on his driftwood throne. And like, like Coralise is the king, not Viserys. Ooh, oof. that one had to sting. Coralise clearly, clearly enjoying the fact that he is making Viserys walk that whole way and that he's sitting up above him waiting for him to show up. Yeah, Tony, Rhaenys is badass and smart as hell. Absolutely. Yeah, Viserys really dishonored himself in this whole thing. He did not do what a king should have done. So 
He walks up. Corlys is super happy. Then he walks down and he kneels before Eris for a really long time. It's almost like a weird apology from Corlys where he's like, yeah, I just sh- I showed you up as hard as I could, but you know, don't hold it against me. Look how I'm kneeling. You're still the king, even though I'm treating you like shit. Real power move from Corlys. And actually, it kind of reminded me of Rhaenyra in the sense that Corlys is rubbing it in King Viserys's face. He is enjoying he has the power position and that he has a king basically coming to his doorstep to marry his to marry his heir to his son to secure his family. And I don't know, Corlys was pretty blunt about it, right? He was just kind of he just wanted Viserys to know that he was taking the L by doing it, which is an odd thing to do to a king. Of course, Corlys knows that. Viserys can be bullied and this is his way of showing off his anger over the last few years particularly that he has not been invited back to court that he is not the master of of the navy at the moment that kind of stuff you hate Kristen everyone hates Kristen he's really rubbing salt in that wound and I think it's interesting that Rhaenys only comes in later and she comes in and she is super gracious and she's like oh my my favorite cousin I'm so glad to see you asks how he is gives him a little shoulder hug and stuff like that and starts talking about Rhea Royce and Damon and you can see that she kind of disagrees I think with what Coralise's plan here is that she knows that when a when a king comes to beg at your feet don't actually let him do that that it was a bad idea what Coralise just did and this is something that Rhaenyra has shown throughout the previous episodes, particularly at the, the cattle show, as she called it, where Rhaenyra was getting suitors that she pissed off a lot of lords for really no reason other than she was annoyed. And it was a not wise long term move, I guess. But we'll see how it works out. Maybe Viserys won't care. Oh, by the way, 200 people watching. Hey, guys, make sure you slam that like button. Get to 125 likes. I will put on a silly hat for you. It will match my silly shirt. If we get to 150 likes, I will give away a t-shirt. So, you know, slam that like button. Yeah, Rhaenys was perfect in her role. Yeah, Viserys is a toothless dragon. Very, very true. Actually, I'm going to make a video about Rhaenyra's faux pas with the Blackwoods. I want to talk about it anyway because I love seeing the Blackwoods and the Brackens. Obviously a huge Blackwood fan myself. But I think it's actually, I think a lot of people put it in as an Easter egg. And I think it's way more important to where they're going. Oh, no, I don't have a banana hat. I have a turtle hat. Did we technically see Maylis? Yes, we did see Maylis from afar. I, I There was a high, a, a good image that came from HBO that I managed to grab, which is the, the thumbnail for this video. But yeah, we didn't get a super good look at them. Yeah, red and pink it looked like, I think, from Maylis. So they obviously work out a deal. And Corley's, he then tries to extract value from, uh, from Viserys, but it's kind of in a super petty way. Like, it makes no sense. What he's asking for is something Viserys will never agree to. He wants the children of Rhaenyra and Laenor to be named Valarian, which the king will never go for. It will never happen. He's not doing it. So then what's the point of the ask? Viserys obviously counters and says, well, when they when they take the Iron Throne, if well, he says the firstborn, but the implication is if any of them take the Iron Throne, they will become Targaryens. They will take that family name and they're not going to stay as Valarians. And it's kind of like, what was the point? <laughs> what are you doing, man? He was never going to agree to it. It was the kind I said this on on Twitter when I posted the picture of Rhaenys and Lionel sort of sitting back and watching this happen. The idea that Viserys and Corlys were just going to be measuring their dicks at each other. And that's kind of what happened here. They weren't really... 
It was he didn't get anything of value out of it. There is no way Viserys was going to agree to it. It was a stupid ask. He could have asked for a lot more. He could have asked for vassals. He could have asked for a better contract. He could have asked for something for vain. Instead, he asked for a stupid thing he was never going to get. And I think that's part of the reason that Rhaenys is kind of watching it going like, I don't know what you're doing, husband. Yeah, it was it was reaching and it was a status move, but it was a status move that nobody would ever learn about. It was just that Coralise wanted to embarrass Viserys, which is a stupid thing to do. And I think that was kind of the overall, that was my impression of that whole scene between the two of them. And especially in the sort of the the scene afterwards where where Rhaenys and Coralise have this scene together and you get to see them talk to each other. And Coralise is saying like, he clearly wants more he wants more respect he wants to make his house be the strongest in the realm he wants to make Rhaenys the queen who never was to make her like the queen who should be to usurp Viserys and let Viserys know that he's still unhappy about it and Rhaenys is just like stop just stop we could have taken our victory here we could have taken the we could have taken the W without your stupid dick measuring that you did at Viserys. And she's absolutely right. It's very prideful. They could have gotten a lot more out of it. And that was a dumb thing. <laughs> yes, he did just get Lucerus Driftmark, although he doesn't know at this time that those kids are not going to work out. They were going to get it anyway. Like, Wayneor was obviously going to give up his holdings at some point. Well, okay. Let me say this again. I would say it would have been unreasonable to ask... It would have been as unreasonable for Viserys to assume Driftmark and the Valarian holdings would pass to the Targaryens as it is for to assume that the Iron Throne would pass to the Valarians and out of the Targaryens. I get that they're just kind of trying to keep the status quo, but it's, you know, he could have gotten a lot more out of it. I did really like to see that scene. I did like to see how Rhaenys is in private that she is a lot less ambitious, I think, than myself and others had sort of thought. 70% of you, by the way, think that Melos is trying to kill Viserys. Interesting. Interesting. He also wanted to make sure that Rhaenyra was still the heir. Obviously, she was still the heir. That didn't do anything. And then there's, of, of course, the scene with Lenor and Rhaenyra at the beach. That was that was something. I, I like that they... I thought I for sure, I don't know about you guys, I thought for sure they were going to the fish meta. The one that uh, came from Fire and Blood, that I don't like fish, but when I'm served it, I eat it, that kind of thing. Instead, they went for, what was it, goose and duck? That was a choice. Obviously, the subtext, which was made text a couple minutes later, is that Lenor is, is quite obviously gay. He has a lover. It's Joffrey Lonmouth. He's the blonde guy that he makes out with later. And that's sort of the problem here, that the two of them are not attracted to each other. And Rhaenyra knows this about Lenor already, that they're, what, how is their marriage going to work when there's, like, in a lot of arranged marriages, it's assumed that it's a loveless marriage, at least at first, but like maybe somehow it will get there eventually. Like maybe attraction will take over or maybe you'll learn to love each other like happened with Ned and Catelyn. But Lenor is Lenor and Rhaenyra are just like, this is never going to work. Like we are never going to be like an actual couple that this is just a political marriage, that this is literally just done for power. So how are we going to work with this? And Rhaenyra actually suggests... A fairly reasonable solution that Lenor agrees to that they will do their duty, aka they're going to have sex every so often in order to make sure Rhaenyra gets pregnant with his kids and that the Targaryen line continues. So that is obviously the deal that they made. And then after the kids get born or in between when the kids get born, basically they're free to do whatever they want. 
I thought it was interesting that this was a direct callback to Damon's conversation from the last episode. Rhaenyra just word for word repeated back what Damon said to her, you know, just because I'm married, we're royals. We can do whatever we want. And it's true. Was Mushroom in this episode? I didn't see him, but I wasn't looking that closely. And then you sort of get the the Renly, Loras Tyrell treatment with with Lainor and Joffrey that, you know, obviously it's going to be a marriage, not for love. It's going to be a marriage for power. They can still do whatever they want. Obviously, like, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm out of bounds here, but I thought that was like the most tender, like sort of sexual encounter in this in this series so far and it happened to be between Lenor and Joffrey with the two of them talking about what their lives are going to be and like the playful rough housing into making out with each other like that was a very sweet scene and I thought it was I thought it was pretty good better than the weird chest chest shaving scene that we got from Renly and Loras that one still is just kind of like that one still is a weird one. I don't <laughs> mushroom was there. Okay. I'm gonna have to go back and see if I can find one on the frame by frame. He probably would have been playing an instrument. I think he saw him playing like drums or something in screenshots that I saw, but you know what they have working out, what they have worked out is a, a scenario that will work as long as they have kids. And as long as they're Lenors, then their political marriage will work out. It's not perfect, but you know, as they both said to each other, they have no choice in this. So they have to make the best of it they can. Unfortunately for Rainier, her side of that deal is going to be a lot more dangerous than Lenor's because whoever she fools around with, and we find out who, can still get her pregnant. And that could really screw up the whole political marriage they set up here. And oh, do they tease that in the next episode? I don't know if you guys saw the the next episode trailer, but there <laughs> Rainier has some kids and they look like Harwin Strong. Also, by the way, this is the last episode for Millie Alcock and, and Emily Carey. They are switching to Emma Darcy and what's her name? Allison's actress. Let me go ahead and Google this. Like this isn't a thing that I obsess over. Olivia Cook. So they're going to be doing a big time skip after this episode and going to the next one. Yeah, Joffrey's a moron. <laughs> Joffrey, Joffrey almost killed himself this episode. What a moron. Actually, Kristen was too. Everyone was being stupid in this episode. Yeah, the seed is definitely strong, so to speak. And let's see here. See if I got any more from YouTube. I just want to make sure. Cole's a big red flag. Allison seems jealous. Rainier is attempting to live her life while stuck in a mundane life. Yeah, that definitely comes up. Those are, I mean, obviously the child characters are going to switch over. They switch the Lena actress, the the Lenor actor from the first episode changed too. So as the characters are growing up, they're swapping them out pretty quickly, but this is going to be basically the last swap. It's going to be Emma Darcy and Olivia cook the whole way out, unless there are flashbacks, which they may do. I mean, the, the feedback on how great Emily Carey and Millie Alcock have been has been incredible. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see some, sh some, in the next few seasons if they go back to them for something that would be pretty cool so the next thing that comes up well, actually i think i skipped something we should go to damon's literal crime damon killed somebody and i thought it was interesting the way that they show this that in fire and blood it is uncertain of how Rhea Royce dies. It's it said it's a hunting accident that she fell and she hurt her neck and she lingered for a few days and then died. It is definitely suspicious how much it helps Damon and that he runs and instantly goes to marry Lena Valarian. But in this one, 
he just does it. Damon just flat out murders Rhea Royce. I th- some people were suggesting that he was going to use Corexies to scare the horse, but no, he he walked up, grabbed the horse, got it to fall backwards, crushing Rhea. Just flat out murders her to get out of his marriage. Clearly, the reason is that he wants to try and marry Rhaenyra before she can tie the knot with Lenor. Yes, that's right, Christina her slight implication that he had problems getting it up for her. So I made a thread about this on Twitter. I don't know if you guys saw it, where I suggested that part of the problem between Rhea and Damon is maybe his impotence. Also, I had like 15 people going like, he can't be impotent. He has kids. It just means his erectile dysfunction. It means that sometimes you have trouble getting erections. And after... Oh, he didn't grab it. He spooked it. Yeah, he he was clearly trying to kill her. Falls backwards, crushes Rhea, clearly paralyzes her. He steps on her arm in order to let her know. I mean, in order to let the audience know that she is now paralyzed from the neck down. And then there's the line that Rhea says. She taunts him before this, and she's talking about, oh, is he finally there to consummate their marriage? Meaning they never actually had sex before. What is he going to do now that he's been disinherited for a girl and that he's been banished and all this other stuff? So, yeah, it's it's not awesome, to say the least. And as Damon's walking away, he's clearly going to allow her to die there in the path from her broken neck. That's clearly what he's hoping for. And she says the outline, I guess, where she says, I knew you couldn't finish. And considering that Damon has had trouble finishing twice, both sex scenes he's had in this, in this series so far, he has had trouble with, you know, getting the dragon to roar as it were. I'm wondering if that's what Rhea was referencing. If that thread was right, that they never consummated it because just like with my and Rhaenyra that he had trouble, you know, getting the flag to raise, I guess. And it picks up a rock and ends up smashing her head in, which clearly her cousin, I think that was his cousin. I mean, I think that was Rhea's cousin. Hang on a second. Rhea Royce. I didn't catch his name. He said it when he was up at the, up at the dais, when he was talking to Damon and accusing him of murder. Gerald. Thank you. Gerald Royce. Clearly Gerald knows it was a murder. Everybody knows it was a murder. Damon did it, which is kind of funny because it's a break from fire and blood where it's, it's heavily implied by how much it helps Damon, but it certainly is not confirmed. Now it's confirmed. He definitely murdered her. And you could be be like, oh, well, he just spooked the horse or he just like grabbed the reins or whatever to get it to fall backwards. And that he didn't really mean to do it. He grabs the rock and bashes her head. And so he murdered his wife. There was a funny tweet going around earlier. I don't know if you guys saw it, where it was basically like, I am prepared to see what crimes Damon commit so I can support them. Well, he committed a murder in this one. Oh. 126 likes it is silly hat time going full george r R. martin on this one only because he didn't feel the passion he does with his niece they talked about that in the after the episode and they said that the reason damon had a problem is that he was not really into it that he was just trying to get with rainier basically to screw with viserys as like a, a revenge thing that he knew what he was doing was wrong and that's why he couldn't perform he'll obviously he will perform later he does have spoiler Damon ends up having kids later in the in his life so it's not a permanent problem but it is it is a problem in the moment and it's one that Ray is probably alluding to I do not have George's actually you know what my beard would probably be as bad as his so yeah maybe all right so where were we so let's talk uh, let's talk about Kristen's proposal so this is another thing from fire and blood that I was really interested to see which way they were going to go so on the way back from Driftmark that Kristen confronts Rhaenyra and basically says, 
you're wait hey it's like you're translating the runes on the royce leathers oh tag me on that on twitter when you do i want to see it so on the way back Kristen is clearly upset about the fact that rainier is now going to get married it's stupid that he is i can't believe how naive it is but apparently this whole time it was not just a, a one-time thing it was not a one night stand Ooh. i'm gonna put that one on put that one on twitter later that since that first night that the two of them had sex, they have continued to have sex pretty much regularly. They are basically an unofficial couple at this point. And Kristen says maybe the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, I can't believe that he thought he was this was going to work. In Fire and Blood, there's two different two different versions of this story. One is that Kristen suggests that they could get a boat and go to Essos and he would be a sellsword and they could marry and she would give up the Iron Throne for him because they love each other so much. And then the other one is that Rhaenyra goes to Kristen and basically offers kind of the same thing, but it's been curious which way that was actually true. And they chose the one where it was Kristen being the dumbass as he was like, Literally, this is Jorah level thinking. This is Jorah Mormont. This is how dumb this is. This is like him running away with, with Lynesse Hightower to Essos and just being like, hey, everything will be okay. We're going to give up being lords, but we'll have each other. And both, both situations, both the women are like, are you nuts? What are you thinking? This is never going to work. I don't want this. Crazy, crazy thing thoughts out of Kristen Cole that he thought this would work. Jen Shades on the the YouTube on the the post said Cole it's a big red flag chill dude she slept with you once. Correction there it appears that they slept each they kept sleeping with each other pretty regularly after that one but yeah big red flag there Kristen loses his mind. I can't believe he went for it. I can't believe he thought it would work. His plan was insane too. He's like, listen, I was a knight in the Stormland, so this means that we can sneak to Dorne and catch a ship from Sunspear, and then we're gonna just go away to Essos, and you can leave your dragon behind and your family and your inheritance, and we'll just be together. <laughs> it's like, Kristen, what do you think? Yeah, Rhaenyra was trying so hard not to laugh. I was trying hard not to laugh. It was so stupid. And this was something that Fabian Frankel said in the behind the game of thrones behind the house of the dragon podcast that he did last week with uh, jason concepcion for life i mean i cannot remember his podcast partner everyone just kind of trades podcast partners at the top at this point i forget who it is but he basically said that Kristen is like no thoughts head empty he's just kind of living for the day and uh, he has no thoughts of like future plans or where things are going to go he's just kind of he's kind of a big dummy and <laughs> yeah that one came out man man is he a big dummy i guess yeah you missed the hundred percent of the shots you don't take but that that was an impossible shot there's no way <laughs> no way no way rosnero is going to go for it and instead she comes back to a compromise where she says well what if we just keep having sex because there's no reason to stop you know lanor's cool with it we're cool with it we have this great sexual chemistry going on like let's let's just keep you know doing what we're doing and not completely destroy our lives. Also, there's a really, really dumb thing Kristen said where he was like, maybe this will be, I've, I've dishonored my white cloak, but if we run away together to Essos and I become a cell sword and we marry with an exiled princess, I will get my honor back. It's like, Kristen, did you even think this through for a second? You're going to be a pariah. 
They're going to send assassins after you. You won't even make it the Sun Spear. The Martells will catch you, turn you around, and sell you back to the Iron Throne. This would never work. Oh, okay. So it's been less than a week. I'm sorry. I got the, I thought, I figured it was a little bit more time. If it was only like a few days or a week later, he is insane for going for this. The only way it made sense is like if they've been sleeping together regularly for like a couple months. That that it is this short makes it even stupider. <laughs> Kristen, what are you doing? Does not have forward thinking. He caught feelings in the worst stupid way. I think there's there's no other way to say it. Credibly stupid. I had been wondering because they had him say some kind of wise things and give some good advice in previous episodes, but like and also you, you could be forgiven for thinking his sex scene with Rhaenyra is like a one-time mistake and he's going to think better of it. And it's like, no, he, he really, he really is this stuff. And then of course, Rhaenyra comes back and says, yeah, wh why don't we just, we can just keep having sex. It's fine. Don't, don't worry about it. And <laughs> Kristen freaks out and he's like, no, I, I've dishonored my white cloak. I'm not going to keep doing it. It's like, you were fine with it until this conversation, Kristen, what changed buddy? I don't know if he loved her. He, he was infatuated to say the least. It's almost like sleeping with a member of the Kingsguard was a really bad idea at the beginning and it was, was really dumb to continue doing it. The one night stand that ruined everything. Way to go, guys. They did spend a lot of time together, so yeah, but they only, I guess they only started sleeping together very recently. Yeah, crazy, crazy things. It's all, it's so stupid that it's almost a plot hole. Like how could Kristen think that this would return his honor? There's no way, there's no way, crazy. <laughs> I, I need this. I couldn't see the behind the episode because HBO broke on me. So I don't know what they said about this, but I am fascinated to hear what the showrunners have to say about Kristen's decisions. They are bananas. They are like bananas on my t on my shirt right now. Let's see here. Yeah. Luca Moore, the lusty. I'm actually going to revisit Luca Moore soon or maybe after the season. I don't know. I don't have that much time for I have like a thousand ideas and I can only have make like two of them a week. So. We're, we're going to get back to Luca more at some point. Boy, did they add in a lot to this. Oh, there's a question on YouTube from DW Rocket. Why do you think Lionel got put on the small council initially? The Strongs get put on the small council because, number one, they're smart. They are generally pretty smart or they are physically strong, but most of the time they're they're pretty smart. They kind of break half. They break even like 50-50. They're either huge, great warriors or they are incredibly smart. And like Lionel himself got most of a maester's chain done before he inherited Harrenhal and became Lord Lionel. One of his ancestors was one of the early hands of the king for Aegon the Conqueror. So one of the advantages that they have as making them in terms of putting them on the small council and pointing them to things is that the strongs are not like super militarily tough. They don't have a lot of vassals. They don't have a lot of armies. They don't have a lot of money. So if you piss them off, there's very little they can do to get back at you. Like Corlys did like Corlys is the scenario that they're usually trying to avoid with the small council. It's why you don't, it's why you don't often see the high Lords themselves being put to big positions because the fallout can be disastrous. If you piss off the Strongs, like not a lot's going to happen. So they make basically the Strongs have made perfect small council appointments for most of their history. Just answering that question. Okay. So God, I, I don't know how many times I called Sir Christian stupid, but it is not enough. It is not enough times. Then he does the insane thing and he goes and confesses to Allison. My jaw dropped at that one. How did he do this? Why did he think this was a good idea? Well, actually, no. Okay, so Allison summons him and Kristen just 
confesses. All she wants to know is if the Damon stuff is true. And Kristen's like, oh, well, I got caught. I might as well cop to everything and tells Allison the whole story. And it's like, what did you think was going to happen, man? He's like, please be merciful to me. Don't geld me and like, and like behead me or anything like that. It's like, Kristen, buddy, he should have just ran for the Night's Watch at that point. He should have gotten on a horse and just rode to the Night's Watch. I, I don't know. So that's okay. I don't know why he instantly thought it was about him and why he had to confess Maybe he just felt like he needed to to study at this point. Just unbelievable, unbelievable stuff out of Kristen Cole. Oh, yeah. I, really? Did he not know about Damon? Well, he's going to soon. Have a good night. Jess, thanks for hanging out. Remember, guys, five more likes and we are giving away a T-shirt at my Threadless shop. So slam that like button. 240 people watching. Hello. Thanks for hanging out. We're going to go for about another half hour. Then we're going to get out of here. I, I was in disbelief of it because... The best case scenario for Kristen that he could reasonably imagine from telling Allison that he's been sleeping with the princess is that he's going to the Night's Watch because that's the, the precedent for what happened to Lucamore the Lusty. They gelded him, sent him to the Night's Watch, which he could just do on his own, I guess. Also, Allison wouldn't be the one to make that decision, I guess. Maybe he's hoping that she'll be his Allison. Allison basically convinced Jaharis not to murder Lucamore on the spot for his for his crimes but boy Kristen at worst case he was going to be killed on the spot be turned over to the king executed for his crimes oh all right we got there as I like, let me open up Nightbot there's going to be more stuff coming to the Threadless shop soon so if you want to hold on to it not a bad idea let's do a giveaway here if you want to win a free t-shirt from my Threadless shop type the word crispy for crispy Kristen unbelievably stupid one thing after another but i guess it kind of works with how Kristen really didn't think through anything he was doing with rainier it, it kind of tracks with his level of naivete and really just how he doesn't understand things i guess he, he really is just kind of like head empty no thoughts that he thought that confessing to allison was a good idea after trying to marry the the princess like Crazy, crazy stuff out of Christian Cole. But you can see here that clearly they're going to set this up that Allison and Kristen are now going to be a, I don't know if they're going to be a thing in terms of, you know, making the dragon with two backs or if they're just going to be allies from this point forward. That was a big thing for Allison in this episode that with Otto gone, she had to decide what she was going to do in the future. Like, is she going to fight for her life and Aegon and the rest of her children? Or is she essentially going to be a powerless dowager queen at some point? Or I guess dowager queen is the wrong term. If she would just essentially wait to see what happens when Rhaenyra takes the throne. Kind of. And you can see that clearly Laris reached out to her to create that relationship, even though Laris plays both sides. So that one probably isn't as, as good as she hopes. But with Kristen, I mean, this guy is now he Allison owns him at this point like whatever she wants she has the ultimate blackmail over Kristen for the rest of her of his life at any point she can just drop the dime that he knows that she that Rhaenyra and Kristen fucked up and Kristen's life is over so and also uh, she showed mercy you know it's the the Tywin line about like when your vassals go to your knees you have to help them back up or nobody else will again Allison showing mercy there just gained a lot of social credibility in Kristen's silly head. Do I think that Laris told Allison about the tea to move Crispy out of the way and let his brother take place as protector? I don't know. I think the questions about Laris and what he's doing is 
we're going to have to find out more. I, I really don't have a good sense for why he did that. I only have guesses, but that's going to be one of the interesting things about Laris is we're really going to have to watch him closely and see who he's favoring and why. And then I guess we'll figure it out. Let's see here. So we got 22 people entered. If you guys want to win free t-shirt from my threadless shop, hang on, let me, I'll give you to a 130, 1135. It's 1132 right now. Oh, hang on a second. Redless. Go Nightbot. No, it didn't work. Nope. That one didn't work either. Magician.threadless. I thought I had that command loaded. So type crispy in the chat if you want to win. Yeah, it shows the peach waffle. Laris is going to be tough to figure out. So let's move ahead now to the, uh, the royal wedding. Oh boy, the royal wedding. What a fucking disaster. It did not disappoint. Weddings in Westeros are the worst things in the world. Every time somebody dies, every time it's horrible. There's going to be blood everywhere. Nobody's happy. And the funny thing is they always lead into it every single time with like, it's a royal wedding. It's going to be great. This is awesome. And then invariably, it always goes the other way. I guess the only upshot this time is half the guests didn't die. So I guess. So they're setting up for the royal wedding. Well, they're not actually at the wedding yet. This is sort of the welcoming feast. And you see the lords come up one after another. The Lannisters show up with Jason Lannister in front. And boy, does Jason make a doofus of himself again. Again, making the point that is clearly his mother that set up everything for him. Which is kind of funny because Jason's so dumb. But his brother Tyland is a genius. They haven't showed that off yet. But get ready. He's, he is quite he has quite the brain he's like laris's match i just don't think they could make him look any more pompous and idiotic than he did i also didn't notice the baratheon showing up at the royal wedding maybe they were out there in the crowd i didn't see any of them the random guy from the veil apparently got an invite sir gerald royce that was something we get the procession coming in you see the high towers coming that was actually kind of funny hobart's about to go up to talk to the king and rainier and sir gerald just essentially darts in front and talks about how Rhea died and all that stuff. All right, let's go ahead and roll this one. Hey, Christina Keetel, congratulations. Send me a message on Twitter or at askjoemagician.com and I will go ahead and send you a code so you can pick up something. Way to go. I draft Racky standards. It was a dull affair. I don't know about dull affair. It got uh, it got spicy fast, especially with, uh, I don't know if you guys caught it, that Lenor has entrance music. <laughs> when the Valarian showed up, like, a whole like a whole a whole band started up you heard the drums going you heard the music playing and they all walk in as a as a whole crew and they look magnificent they're wearing their best clothes but nobody else had walk-up music but god help us lanor and the valorians did it's continuing the idea that Coralise is trying to show off the power of their house that he wants to be as impressive as the targaryens interesting choice i just thought it was funny it's like a, a batter going up to the plate in baseball just like choosing their their music afterwards i expect like every lord to then run up to the same musicians and be like oh shit you guys are doing music all right so play me play this song for us all right cool thanks guys which would have been incredible also 175 likes we're going full wizard hat so thanks everybody that has liked the stream really appreciate yeah pyrotechnics should have gone full wwe it would have been great let's see here also damon shows up and basically asserts dominance on Viserys. Clearly, Damon knows he's not allowed there. He just killed his wife. Everyone knows he just killed his wife. He's been banished by Viserys, and he walks into the Great Hall to silence anyway, and walks up to Viserys and challenges him to tell him to leave. And Viserys backs down. He instead tells the steward basically to get Damon a chair and sits him at the end of the high table, which is quite a choice for a guy who has been banished under penalty of death. But that's Damon for you, I guess. <laughs> he is there. 
he's coming to that wedding unless Viserys wants to stop him, which he doesn't, apparently. I, I guess the only reason that Viserys didn't is that he doesn't want to make a scene at the moment. If he throws out Damon, it will make a scene, and he'll have to explain why he just did that, and nobody knows why Damon was banished this time. He could, he could basically just say why he is there, which would screw up everything. I mean, that would be a crazy move for Damon to do, but so is everything he's done in the series so far. He is just crazy. He is just wiling out, as it were. Oh, thanks, everybody. Yeah, it's getting kind of late. We're going to be about 20 more minutes. We're going to get out of here. Yeah, Sarah's trying to avoid a scene, except every time he tried to avoid a scene, a new one happened. Right, exactly. Only Shadowkin. He'd have to explain why Damon has to leave if he's going to do it. And there's not a good way to do that, so he allows Damon to stay. But it's also a power move that Damon wins. He plays chicken and he wins in that moment. So Kristen is obviously very upset this whole time. And there's somebody that notices. And that somebody is Joffrey Lonmouth, which is kind of crazy. So what did you guys think about this? The whole Joffrey noticing that Kristen is obviously in love with Rhaenyra and upset about the marriage. Not that he noticed, but that he's seemingly the only one. I assume that somebody like Laris noticed there's going to be fallout from this whole thing. But as far as the show is concerned, other than Alicent, who is just, you know, told Kristen, just told her what's going on. Apparently Joffrey, Lon oh, Damon noticed. Okay. Joffrey, Lonmouth, and Damon are the only ones that noticed that Kristen is pouting in, this, in the uh, pouting the gallery. Laris definitely noticed. Laris notices everything. He might already know. If Laris knows enough to know that Moon T was delivered, then he probably knows Kristen and, and Rhaenyra have been hooking up. And it was like a crazy thing to do. Right. But Lena only knows because, well, yeah, I guess that's true. Okay, let me go back through this. Let me, before I say anything else stupid. So who knows? Lenor knows that Rhaenyra has a paramour, but I don't think he knows who. Joffrey Lonmouth notices and then alerts Lenor. I'm guessing Damon noticed. Har, Har Laris probably noticed. I don't think anybody else. Yeah, I had a, that was my question. I was about to get to that, Curtis Franks. What did Joffrey Lonmouth think he was doing there? Like, clearly, if you, if he knows enough to figure out that Kristen's very, very upset by what's going on, taunting him about the fact that they're about to make, go into like this strange sort of poly relationship that Kristen is very, very upset about is a very stupid thing. It takes a lot of observation ability and emotional intelligence to know, to pick out that Kristen's the guy and then not notice that Kristen is not somebody you should mess with right now. Like this could have been something they said, further down the line also never address it there's no reason to it's kind of like i don't even know is he like trying to go for a camaraderie ship like hey buddy we're both gonna end up plowing these two high five on that one i guess i, I don't really get it i don't understand why allison was so mad with rhaenyra i'll get to that in a second is laris the eye of those watching behind the walls definitely laris is always watching so i don't know what joffrey was doing <laughs> It seems insane, although you you could probably make the case that he probably felt protected by the moment that, you know, he's under the protection of the uh, Valarians. Clearly, everyone knows he's there with Lanor. There's no way a Kingsguard's going to beat the shit out of me in front of everybody, but it's like he could later. I don't know why. Yeah, it's it's like a weird come like there's no reason to commiserate or do camaraderie stuff like they should just ignore each other. It was, it was a very strange choice by Joffrey. Kristen, basically, you can see the steam coming out of his ears as it's happening. He loses his mind. There's a whole lot of dancing and stuff like that while this is going on. And then we see Damon shoot his shot. 
He grabs Rhaenyra, he pulls her to the middle of the dance floor, and they speak their love language, hive leering at each other. And Damon basically says, do you want me? Is this what you want? Do you want to marry me? Like, we we can get out of here, blah, blah, blah. And it kind of a reversal of what just happened with Viserys and Damon, Rhaenyra then calls Damon's bluff. She shouts back at, back at him, obviously in High Valyrian, so nobody knows what they're saying, that challenges him to say, okay, fine, Damon, let's do it. Right now, let's go. You and me, we'll hop on Craxies, we'll go to Dragonstone, we'll get married, I will break this off with Lanor. Do it, Damon, I dare you. And much like Viserys blinked playing chicken against Damon earlier, Damon blinks again and does not go through with it. Once again, Rhaenyra calling his bluff and knowing him so well that, that Damon is not really serious about what he's doing right now. That I think Rhaenyra is correct that, and what she said back to him, that this is really all about Viserys at this point, that it's just about messing with him, that he, he does not really feel that way about her. Which I think is a good character moment for, once again, this is a recurring thing that Rhaenyra is kind of the only one that sees through Damon's bullshit. That sees exactly what he's doing all the time, that knows which buttons to push because they are so alike in character. Of course, Rhaenyra's not obviously as evil as Damon, who just, you know, murdered his wife on, his, on a whim. But they sort of, they get each other emotionally and Rhaenyra can always see through him. I thought that was a really good scene, personally. I love that. You know, the rogue prince, the guy who just murdered his wife, who came back from winning a war, who took her down to flea bottom and seduced her and came really close to having sex and has asked for her hand. And Rhaenyra says, all right, do it. And he can't. Yeah. At some point, Damon's going to have to step up to that one. Rhaenyra keeps challenging him and he keeps backing down. I'm guessing Damon maybe had some forethought there and wouldn't like the consequences of it. But he quickly moves on and he then jumps on Lena Valarian. Well, not literally, but clearly they're setting up that Damon's now going to free from Rhea Royce. If he can't go through with Rhaenyra, even though she totally challenged him to do it and he backed down, he's going to take his silver medal, I guess, in his eyes and go after Lena Valarian, which kind of makes sense. Him and the Sea Steak have a good relationship. Lena's a dragon rider, too, or she's actually... She's going to ride Vagar, so that one works out. Is he just prodding the bear? I, I don't know. Whatever he's doing is stupid. Joffrey should not be doing that. I think that's a, a good point in a Skuldus here that it was a mistake, but it, sh it shouldn't have been a deadly mistake. Like, Kristen clearly overreacts. Kind of out of nowhere, the music's still playing, everyone's still dancing, and then out of nowhere there's screams and there's shuffling and the crowd is moving back and forth and it's really chaotic. Oh, 175 different hat time. Vagar's in the trailer for next week. Okay. So they're going to do that one. Thanks for slamming the like button guys. It is time to wear a different silly hat. The magician hat from my, from my thumbnails and stuff like that. The Joe magician hat. So the, it's really chaotic. And I actually liked the, the way that they played this because it's really just a fight at a wedding, but the way that there's kind of like an element of unknown, like who's actually fighting? Is it Damon and Kristen? Is it Kristen? Well, it's Kristen and somebody, but who's actually doing this fighting? And nobody can see and everyone's confused. Rhaenyra gets shoved to the side. It looks like she might get trampled by the crowd. The Viserys is concerned. Allison's concerned. Everybody's kind of like trying to figure out what's going on and finally see what's going on. That Kristen has just dragged Joffrey to the ground and is just absolutely being the shit out of Joffrey Lonmouth. 
completely over complete overreaction. He's clearly taking out his rage at Rainier on on Joffrey. Like, yeah, definitely a mistake. Stupid thing to try and I don't even know what he was trying to do to Kristen, but he's he's not in a good mood. Don't mess with this guy at all. Even if it's like you're trying to be like buddy, buddy, like, hey, we're going to be secret consorts. Hey, high five. We're going to have a little secret society, that kind of thing. Like, don't do it. <laughs> Bad idea. Lenor tries to rip Kristen off of off of Joffrey. It doesn't work. He gets shoved into a table by what like looked like a Lannister or something. Like guards are swarming. Nobody can get at this thing because it's happening in the middle of the dance hall, whatever thing. There's a million people. And I'm guessing I'm pretty sure Joffrey's dead. Joffrey, yeah, another Joffrey died at a wedding. That's true, 26 art girl. <laughs> yeah, Joffrey's always die at weddings. Beats him to death with his mailed hand. There's a gore scene at the end of it where you can see like half his face is missing. So I don't think he survived that one. Crazy thing to do. And the, much like they did with the Damon and murdering Rhea Royce, they kind of changed the the tone on it because in Fire and Blood, it is uncertain if Damon actually killed Rhea Royce. It seems to make sense that he benefits, so maybe he somehow something to do with it, but there's no hint he did it personally. And in this episode, they made it literal. Damon showed up and he literally killed Rhea Royce. In Fire and Blood, the, Jeff, the death of Jeffrey Lonmouth is by Kristen Cole, but he does it in a tourney, in a melee, I think. He kills him with his Morning Star. And in that way, you can sort of write it off. Or at least there's some ambiguity about what happened there. Like, was it an accident in the tournament ring? Was it just something like what happened with Baylor Breakspear, where, you know, his head accidentally got caved in. It was like, oh, shit, maybe this went too far. Maybe Kristen didn't mean to do it. And they switched that and they made it straight up cold blooded murder in the middle of a of a feast. And I'm kind of curious how they're going to play this going forward, because there's really not a way back for Kristen on this one. Everybody saw what happened. He just grabbed Joffrey, threw him to the ground and beat him to death in front of the king, in front of everybody. I don't know how he can stay a king's guard at this point. Like he should be. He should already be in chains. He should probably be on his way to the Night's Watch. Like, he just committed murder, which I guess I appreciate more than how it, how it was done in Fire and Blood, where it was kind of, like, up for grabs about if he was serious about it, if he really was killing Joffrey for something having to do with Rhaenyra. But this one, he just flat out killed him. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen there. Yeah, but the, we couldn't see it in the moment. But clearly when he stopped beating up Joffrey, everybody saw him. He, he killed he killed Joffrey Lonmouth. It's going to be a hard one to uh, to figure out how he's going to stay at Kingsguard. He's going the queen will pardon him or they're going to conspire to say Joffrey started it. I guess. I don't know that that, that one's going to stretch some the belief on that one. You, you, Kingsguard can't just flat out just kill somebody under on nobody's orders. Even if he started the fight like there's no ex, there's no excuse for Kristen literally mauling him to death like that. Sh he should be sent to the wall at least. There's there should be no coming back. I'm guessing, yeah, Allison will have to pull strings to get him to stay where he is. But that's going to be real awkward going forwards. I don't know. That was that was something else. I also like that the guards tried to get to him. Also, my favorite moment of that whole sequence was Rhaenyra's being thrown around. She's like hitting into chairs. Nobody can see her. They're worried she's about to die. And then you see Lionel Strong. He's up at the 
up on the day as he's watching all this happen. He's trying to, he's calling for the guards. He's trying to get them to stop. And he just kind of looks over at Harwin, his son, Breakbones, gives him the nod. And Harwin just kind of looks back and he goes, yes, father. And he just goes into the melee. He grabs people. He's throwing them off. He's hitting, punching them up or cutting them out of the, out of the way, finds his way to Rhaenyra, throwing people out of the way, grabs her, throws her over the shoulder and walks her out of the great hall like a badass. That was quite the entrance for Breakbones. I'm going to have to watch that one again because that was just incredible. <laughs> like in all this chaos and nobody can get to anything, it's Breakbones who is able to get his way through the crowd, which obviously is a callback to him being on the gold cloaks that obviously he is used to dealing with crowds like this, that he has no problem, you know, breaking a few noses to get to where he needs to. But it, it was a really cool moment for him. And I'm guessing, I am guessing that somehow Harwin saving Rhaenyra is going to be how they uh, get together in their own way. Yeah, he he shoulders through everybody. And he's just wearing like, he's wearing eff effectively a tuxedo and he just absolutely manhandles everybody. So I myself and i've seen other complaints that harwin doesn't look strong enough he doesn't look bulky enough to be the strongest man in the seven kingdoms but they just showed it off they just let you know that he is the strongest man oh super chat here from matthew r five dollars that's what i don't get why did they let him leave the room and let allison alone with her i don't know i i don't know what happened between end of the feast and the last scene of the episode why has he not been thrown into jail why has he not been restrained by his brothers or at least like locked up in the white sword tower or something like that? Like Kristen should not be allowed to walk anywhere in the castle right now. They're like they need to figure out what the hell just happened. I'm not sure about that one. Maybe we'll get an explanation, but pro I'm guessing it'll just be Allison. Allison is like already trying to advocate for him or something like that. That's the only, that's the only thing I got. He should not be allowed to do whatever he wants. And then of course we get the, the worst wedding scene I've ever seen. Holy shit. I can't believe they went through with it. And they did it like what seems like five minutes later. Lenor and Rhaenyra go through with the wedding. They're both crying. Obviously, Lenor because Joffrey was just murdered in front of him. Rhaenyra because she doesn't want to go through with it. And she just got rejected by Damon again. And Kristen just did something insane to try and help her out. Viserys is literally about to fall over from the stress and does fall over onto the floor. And they, they do go through with the marriage in just like the worst way I've ever seen. I think maybe the worst part is that nobody cleaned up the blood from Joffrey. Like they zoomed out back from the, the dais. They did it right there in the great hall. Like pieces of Joffrey Lonmouth and his blood are still on the floor. <laughs> Nobody's gotten a rag. Nobody's gotten a mop or whatever. I don't even know if they have maps or mops back then, but nobody's cleaning up that blood. They're like, we're doing this right now. We cannot wait. We have to get married right now. The drama is too high. It's like, holy shit. Oh, night, Aaron. And oh, wait, is Aaron leaving? Or Egg Six. Thanks, Egg. Thanks for modding and uh, enjoy your wrench. Thanks for showing up. Yeah, crazy shotgun wedding. <laughs> Brains and blood and bits of his face and bone on the floor. I don't know why they had to do it right then. They said they had seven days of feasts ready to go, but that that is a that is a poor omen for things to come with the marriage of Lenor Valarian and Rhaenyra Targaryen. Wow. And of course, I brought it up during the, the first part of the stream and people in the chat are saying the same thing. The rat showed up and started eating the blood and the bits of Joffrey. Again, the rats continue to be a running motif. It could just be 
a an aesthetic choice to show how you know the rats are in the walls and this is like Viserys's kingship is a is a corpse that's slow, that's rotting or something like that but also very well could be skin changer Laris watching I guess actually DD a J DDA on YouTube said, did y'all peep the red at the very end? The last Larry screen seer theory is starting to feel more real. Exactly. Keep watching the rats. I agree. The rat, the rats are uh, continue to be a thing they are using. And I think it's for a reason. Let's see here. Oh yeah. What exactly happened with Kristen at the end of the wedding feast? Like, did he get another side eye from Joffrey and decided he was on site? Fell down nowhere. I missed something. I agree. He, he it seems he just snapped over nothing. I don't really know why. I, I really need to, Robert Smiley, I need to go watch the commentary after the episode, but I couldn't watch it this time. My HBO broke, so I just can't see it. Semi literally blood and cheese. Yeah, true. Yeah, it was a horrible moment for Lenor. He just lost basically the love of his life or who he thought was the love of his life. Although apparently Joffrey was kind of dumb anyway. So I don't know. Clearly he ends up getting more lovers in the future. I don't know if Lenor ever gets over it though. It is hard to, it w I imagine it's very hard to get over seeing your lover beaten to death in front of your eyes. Disappointed in how they portrayed the Royces. I don't think we're done with the Royces. Damon said the thing about how he's going to try and get his inheritance. Although they do it like a 10 year time skips coming up. So maybe that's it for the Royces. They don't, I don't think they play a big role for quite some time. I think Kristen snapping was Allison dismissing him without telling him his fate. Yeah, I mean, it could be that just Kristen wanted to be punished. That's kind of what he said to Allison, that he just want, he, he has done wrong and he wants to face the consequences for it. And Allison kind of just denies him that. So he's sort of in this weird limbo that at any time he might be just executed or gelded and sent to the wall. He has no really idea about it. Yeah, I wish we got more from Rhea Royce. That would have been nice. Do we, Madeline R said, do you think Harwin is as calculated as Allison was after this episode? Harwin, no. <laughs> Harwin has no calculations. He is, Harwin is like, he is just a big dude. Laris though, definitely. Like Laris calculated everything. Lionel also incredibly smart, but that doesn't mean we won't get more from Harwin in the future, but he seems to have a temper. We see him in the next episode thing. He gets into a fight with somebody. So I'm guessing that the, the guys that are involved with Rhaenyra continue to have a temper. It's almost like she has a type. Curious about that one. Oh, thank you for the compliment. Scold us here about the versus methods of, of spycraft. Yeah. I kind of wanted to include stuff that was coming in this episode, but I didn't know it. I hadn't seen the episode yet, but definitely all of that that I put into the video works just as well for what we saw from Laris here, that he is incredibly sly, that everything he's doing is on purpose, but we don't know what it is yet. Really enjoying it. Yeah, I agree, Bear Aurelius. It is fantastic so far. I'm really enjoying myself watching it. So the, I th the last scene of the episode is... We see Kristen, well, it's intercut, I think, with the wedding scene. Kristen's in front of the weirwood in the godswood, which is kind of a weird choice. There's definitely no reason for him to be trying to kill himself in front of a weirwood. The Coles don't follow the old gods, neither do the Dondarians. They all follow the faith of the seven. Kristen Cole himself is an anointed knight, so he doesn't believe in the old gods. I don't know why he's trying to do it there, but he goes in front of the weirwoods. You kind, He's not wearing his armor. You're kind of kind of curious about what he's trying to do here and instead you see that he's about to commit suicide he has a dagger out he's obviously going to shove it into his stomach and and spill his own guts because clearly Kristen thinks that one way or another his life is over whether for killing Joffrey Lonmouth in cold blood in front of the entire court 
or if it ever gets out without him and Rhaenyra having sex one or however many times they did. He told his secret to Alicent and it seems like the walls are just sort of closing in on him. And you can see very sadly that Kristen has decided his life is over, that he be he thinks he would be better off dead than whatever's awaiting him, which I don't know. I think at worst, he's probably getting sent to the Night's Watch. But uh, Kristen's kind of a dramatic guy and he sort of feels what he feels in the moment and he feels it incredibly strongly and he doesn't really have a lot of good forward thinking and doesn't have a good imagination, I guess, for what's likely going to happen to him. That's sort of his his journey in this episode. Like he really doesn't have a good handle on like any part of the politics that's going on around him. His future plans are incredibly stupid. I mean, he's probably going to be gelded and he's probably going to be sent to the Night's Watch and that will probably be it. He'll he'll be dishonored, but he's dishonored anyway. And, you know, there's value in being on the Night's Watch and guarding the realms of men. And I'm sure he could be something that could be in the future for him. But again, Christian doesn't think far ahead. He he really just lives in the moment, like Fabian Frankel said. Yeah, I guess it's dramatic. I guess it's because it's a dramatic place to take his life. Otherwise, I don't, I don't really know what he's doing there. Yeah. So he's going to kill himself in front of the Weirwood tree. And Allison out of nowhere shows up behind him and tells him to no stop. And that's kind of where the episode ends, telling him not to kill himself. The implication being that Allison is going to, I guess, somehow protect him and give him a second lease on life. I don't know what Allison is doing there, but I thought the more important thing is that Allison in this scene is once again finding herself in front of a weirwood, kind of continuing to follow the path that Laris pushed her down, that because she knows Rhaenyra can't be trusted, because she knows from Otto that, or she thinks from Otto that her life will be forfeit upon Rhaenyra taking the Iron Throne, that she, that she has to look for allies and... She doesn't want to lose Kristen Cole here, I guess. That's the only thing I can really think of, of why Allison decides to save him, just to have Kristen always backing her as a member of the Kingsguard, I guess, just to have another ally at court, but not even a really good one, because Kristen is now going to be the, the black sheep of the Red Keep. I assume he gets to keep his white cloak because of her influence, but like he's lost all credibility as a person. Nobody's going to forget the fact that he beat Joffrey Lomleth to death in cold blood. So he's also not that smart. And the only stuff you can really tell Allison is stuff about Rhaenyra. But I'm guessing at this point, her, his time as her sworn shield is going to be over, that he's going to be dismissed from that job. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm guessing we're going to see him switching from guarding Allison. I mean, guarding Rhaenyra to guarding Allison or her children, I guess. I, I don't really know make him her lover that would be a twist that would be a twist i don't think any of i don't think her last child daron can be Kristen's because as far as i remember he comes out looking targaryen so i guess but i don't know i like the book ending of the the old gods in both scenes you really get the sense that laris if not laris and the old gods in general are looming over this entire dramatic thing and again i really love the way that they had Laris's voice coming out of the weirwood basically before you could see him i think that was such intentional storytelling and such intentional blocking of the scene that i think it's pretty hard to i think i'm right basically i think i nailed it i think laris is a green seer and a skin changer dragon rider too so it must be a targ yeah so that was that was an episode it was a really Kristen heavy heavy episode 
to be honest. He really went through a journey here. He went from trying to run away with Rhaenyra to Essos to be a sellsword to marry her to beating a guy to death to confessing all of his crimes to then trying to kill himself and then being convinced by Alicent not to by her saying basically don't. I think this is also pretty good foreshadowing for how can I say this? Uh, this is not the last time Kristen screws up something enormously and there are some choices made with him in the future that are really informed well by what we saw of him in this episode, how he cannot think in the future that he can't really understand the politics of what's going on around him, that he has a hard time thinking beyond what's right in front of him, that he's really impulsive and that he's really dramatic and emotional. So yeah, this was the most Kristen episode. They were teaching you quite a lot about his character and how, just how quickly like his emotions went crazy throughout this episode. He is, he is a loose cannon, which I don't think we really saw before this. He was more the moderating force on Rhaenyra, but yeah, thing, anything having to do with Kristen's going to be nuts. In the next episode, we're going to get a big time jump. If you guys haven't seen the upcoming episode, we're switching from Emily Carey and Millie Alcock. We're switching to Emma Darcy and Olivia Cook. We're also going to see Aegon II. He's all grown up and he has very long, ridiculous blonde hair. I think people have been making fun of the Targaryen wigs for a while. Oh boy. We're going to make fun. It is. Aegon II's wig is something else. Insane. It is crazy looking. I can't believe they put it on TV. I had gotten used to the other ones. I can't get used to that one. We're also going to see Aemond One-Eye. He definitely shows up. There's a scene with him and one of the dragons. We haven't seen, I don't think we've seen Helena yet, but she will, obviously. Alicent's second child. Before the time skips, are we going to see a few births? I think we're just going to see them grown up. Rhaenyra is going to start the next episode, it looked like from the preview, having at least two kids. It looked like we saw Jace. I don't know about the others. It's going to be a strong, heavy episode. I was I was watching it and it's like a minute long and I think they were on screen for like a third of it or more. So how strong lovers. Things are going great for us. We're going to the moon on this one before the Blackwood show up. Baby Helena was in this episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think we've seen grown up Helena unless I missed her in the, the promo, which I might have. I watched it kind of quickly. So this is going to be we're in the year one. 19 AC, I think it is right now. Rhaenyra's 18, and she was born a little bit after the Great Council 101, so I think it's 119. I think we're gonna skip into the next episode to being like 128 or 129. Big time jump. All the kids are gonna be grown up. They look to be teenagers, at least the oldest ones. So a really big time jump. They're all they also showed off a lot more of the dragons, some baby dragons, basically. I don't know. We're gonna have to see exactly how far they jump ahead. I think, well, maybe it won't be like exactly 10 years. Maybe it'll be like, I don't know. They showed what looks like Jace, and he looks pretty old. So 10 years or like 11 years would make sense for how he looks. But yeah, more dragons are going to be hatched. We're going to meet a whole bunch more of them. Should be an exciting one. We're So this should be the last big time skip, I think. After this next one, there'll probably be only like one more that maybe goes like a year or something like that. And then afterwards, I think we're going to be more into the time that we're used to from Game of Thrones, where it's much more like weeks or months passing in between episodes and not like a decade and yeah as i said earlier in the stream as far as i know we're not going to see millie alcock and we're not going to see emily carrie again unless they're in future flashbacks this should be about it 
Their kids, though, will get multiple actors. I think I've seen at least two of them for Aemond, two of them for Aegon as well. So, you know, small time skip, then a big time skip. Okay. If that's how it ends up going, but clearly they're showing their kids being quite grown up. So there's another huge one coming. I don't know. I'm just guessing based on where I expect the season to end. Unless they could continue screwing with the timeline, I guess. They could move it out even further and make it like so it is like a 15 year jump and they'll just make it happen later i guess they've sort of done that already a bunch of characters have had their ages changed and their dates of birth and stuff like that and stuff has been moved around to make a more cohesive story rather than what we see in the fire and blood but i think i don't know do you guys have any last questions or anything i'm gonna check patreon real fast i put up a thing and i did not check it because i'm an idiot so i'm gonna make sure see if i got any any questions over there any last questions you guys have in the chat? Throw them in there. Anything I missed while I was monologuing? Anything you want to know? Anything clarified? I'll do my best. Otherwise, we're going to get out of here pretty soon. Oh, somebody said in Patreon that we did see Mushroom. I must have missed him. I'm going to have to go back and check it after HBO, you know, allows me to watch the episode again. Oh, yeah, there was a lot of Green Hightower fire. That was a big thing that I think that I skipped in the episode that Allison showed up wearing the green or green dress. And they helpfully had Lara Strong tell Harn what it meant so that we would understand it. Basically that when the, apparently when the high towers call their banners, the banners are green, meaning they're going to war. And apparently everyone else in the scene understood that. They were like, oh, Allison's going to war. She's calling the banners more or less. And there was a scene with her and Lord Hobart where he says like, I thought you might shrivel in King's Landing, taken out of the shade. And I see I was wrong about that. Yeah, th that's going to be a big moment for Alicent. This is like her, I don't understand why Alicent is so pissed off. So Alice is extremely upset because Rhaenyra broke her trust. That Rhaenyra told her that Damon never touched her. That, you know, it was all filthy lies. That she swore on her mother's grave. Which is obviously something Alicent, who also lost her mother, would take seriously only to find out that Rhaenyra was lying through her teeth the whole time. That, uh, that you know, it, hurt, it hurts her to know that the person, the one person she thought at court was her friend, the one person that they, she was honest with is, turns out, be the same as everyone else. And I think that's really hurtful and disappointing to Allison, especially in this episode after losing Otto, who was really her only person at court that really, Otto treated her terribly as a father, but at least it was somebody that at least like sort of gave a shit about her as a person. So I think that's what's going on with Allison and why she's so upset with Rhaenyra. Oh yeah, good call, Leah. That also Rhaenyra got her father fired for it. I was wondering if Laris was going to drop that bomb too. But I'm guessing that Otto, I think Otto told her or Allison's just going to push it, just going to piece it together and be like, oh, obviously Rhaenyra got him fired for saying it was a lie. So that's, I think that's what's going on in Allison's head. You think Allison would understand the need to keep secrets? Well, if she's going to trust Larry Strong going forward, she's in for a rude awakening about who she can trust at court because you cannot trust Larry's. Not a chance. Oh, hey, 200 likes. I didn't have anything planned for this, but thank you. Glad you guys enjoyed the this after stream. You supported Renier and that's why I'm leaving was half that scene. Yeah, that's true. Good call, Emma. I wish I had been able to see the episode ahead of time so I could remember all this stuff. I don't get screeners or anything unless it leaks early, so... Except for episodes one and two, these literally have been my after show reactions. So I try and take notes and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm not going to have all of it right away. Episode one and two is 112. So I would make episode three, 115. No, I don't think they're in 116 because they said Rhaenyra is 18. And I think she was born in 
101 or 102. So it should be 118 or 119, I think. Like Viserys in the last episode was like, you're now 17. That's your age of majority. So if she's born in at least 101 because Emma appeared to be pregnant then, then that should be it. Have I addressed the Bravos lemon tree Easter egg? I haven't. So that was the thing where Laris noted that there were plants growing in the King's Landing Godswood that are from Bravos, I think, and that they shouldn't, and that there's no reason for them to grow in this climate or something like that, which I think people are taking as a hint about so there's a whole big theory that I hate that I made a whole video about how it's wrong that that Danny wasn't born in Bravo or that she wasn't raised in Bravos because the lemon trees can't grow there even though they can. And this one is kind of like the opposite of that where Laris is like, well, it, it can't grow here, but it does. So I'm guessing that's kind of taking a shot at the lemon tree theory. I mean, it's definitely not in support of the lemon tree thing. It's the show basically going like, look, stuff can grow places you don't think so which is like the whole part of whole point of gardening. <laughs> like that's one of those things that really bugs me about that one, about how it just gets like horticulture so wrong. I have plants in my backyard that are supposed to be like growing in swamps and I have them growing in a Northern climate and thriving. And it's like, this is, this is gardening. It's not growing wildly. You're making it grow there. That's how, anyway, Never mind. Yeah, you can grow lemon trees in crazy climates. It is, it drives me crazy. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's just like the basic, the basic part of it is wrong. And then the whole, the whole rest of it is just built around that fact. But it's like the base of it is just insane. Are they implying the lemon trees can grow because of Danny's presence? So the theory is lemon trees can't grow in Bravos. Therefore, Danny's memories of being in Bravos can't be true because there couldn't have been lemon trees there. That's basically the crux of the theory. And then from there, it spirals out into, well, if she didn't live in Bravos, where did she actually live? Well, it must have been somewhere where lemon trees can grow and blah, 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 blah. It's like the most amount of extrapolation from the smallest wrong fact you can imagine. But anyway, anything else you guys want to want me to talk about? But yeah, the early leaks have bad subtitles, especially when they're in French. That was a tough one. Me trying to read High Valyrian in French. That one didn't work out very well. They haven't changed her birth date from the books. Oh, okay. Danny's Danny's not a fake. Oh my god. Let's not let's not do this. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have brought it up. But yes, that is the Easter egg about the uh, the hibiscus or whatever that can't grow in King's Landing, but is doing it anyway, or whatever it was. I have to go back and check the exact details, but it was basically flying in the face of lemon tree theory. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I should have noticed that one, but I was focused on Laris so hard that I just kind of like swept past the whole thing about the plant. I was like, I was zoned in on Laris. I was like, I have to see everything he's saying. Young Griff, the true heir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did Rainier getting Otto fired further antagonized him than he already was? Antagonize Otto? I guess. I mean, like he's going to be more angry now. He's going to have, he, he kind of just had a... He didn't have a personal problem with Rhaenyra other than the fact that she was in the way of Aegon. Now he has a personal problem with her. So I'm guessing Otto, when he eventually, when he and the High Towers eventually make this whole inheritance thing a war, as they've been saying for several episodes now, that's going to be a lot more personal for Otto than it already was. And that's kind of like the running theme for Rhaenyra so far is she keeps making enemies, but she, she's not making any allies. Everyone, she's just like, slowly pissing off everyone around her which kind of tracks for fire and blood that ends up being one of her biggest problems is that she really just relies really heavily on the one alliance she has with the Valar and 
a lot of people end up turning on her, some of them for reasons of in, of inheritance law, but a lot more end up doing it because they have personal problems with her. So she is Magor Teets. No, Magor was a violent sociopath that cut off people's heads. Rhaenyra is just, she's kind of like Rain, Jaehaerys's older sister. That's probably the best comp. Reyna and Rhaenyra are very similar characters. Actually, I made a whole, I made a video about that with the murder mystery on Dragonstone with how Andrew Farman tries to kill her and ends up killing Reyna's girlfriends, I guess. I guess that would be the right term for them. And a big part of the problem is that Reyna, despite having a dragon, despite having a claim to the Iron Throne, doesn't get there because basically she pisses off everybody she comes across and she's very bad at politicking. And it seems to be kind of the same for Rhaenyra. Kind of like Alyssa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Orwell showed up. That was kind of cool. Oh, yeah. He got he got color. Orwell was they made Orwell black, right? That's what I saw. I've never that, that was pretty cool. I was excited just to hear the name. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Viserys does a very bad job educating her, so she didn't have much of a chance, but she doesn't seem to have a natural knack for it. Her Nira's instinct is to is to kind of go for the throat on people and to kind of showboat on them for being a dragon rider and for being the heir to the iron throne doesn't doesn't seem to have a natural instinct for the art of politicking herself actually i'm gonna that's that's gonna be in the video about the blackwood and the bracken i'm gonna make i really want to sort of explain that point more that like this isn't just window dressing this isn't just like a fun moment for uh, for fans who like to see the Bra the blackwoods and the brackens that scene is actually pretty illuminating for yes the failure of Viserys as a teacher but also Rhaenyra's kind of her worst instincts and how they sort of create chaos in her wake murder on dragonstone that's probably the right one whoops let me go back to the stream uh oh uh oh I'm just gonna guess that's the right one it's the murder on dragonstone one yeah we're gonna see the maester mask scene that one's definitely coming I think my voice is starting to go so I think we're probably about done Ooh, and it's hot in here Despite me wearing my tropical shirt, it is a little hot. So thank you guys for hanging out and enjoying episode five with me. I thought it was a really good episode. I'm not sure if I'm going to do a review or not. I might. I have a few other videos I'm going to try and make first. I want to do the dragon Pokedex one. I want to do the Blackwood and Bracken one. Are we doing spoilers? Some. I've, I've been trying to stay away from them, but I've caught myself a few times saying spoilers. I'm sorry, guys, if I spoiled something for you. I'm trying to I'm trying to restrain myself as best I can. Sometimes it's hard to talk about why characters are important if you don't say anything. I'm definitely not. This is not like a totally unsullied kind of stream. Most of my content isn't, but I do try and stay away from the big things. Like uh, in my Laris thing, I talked about how he's going to be an important character, how he becomes a spy master, but I didn't really talk about what he does. And that was kind of on purpose, obviously, because who knows, they might change it anyway. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a really good episode. A lot to think about. I love the Lara stuff, the Weirwood stuff, the Strongs. I loved Harwin getting to show off his putting up his Dukes and getting in there and stuff like that. Seeing a lot of from Kristen and all these other. I, I thought it was really good. I mean, there were a few things I didn't particularly like. I still don't. It's it's going to I'm going to need a really good explanation from someone about like what Joffrey was trying to do and why Kristen freaked out on him. I tried, but I don't have a real intuitive handle on it. And I also don't understand what Kristen is doing, walking around the red keep at night after straight up murdering somebody that, that he's not locked up somewhere. He's not at least in like, 
the white sword tower under lock and key or what he's not doing in a dungeon he should be for what he did maybe that'll come next episode but yes also that's a good call sasuke by the episode one of game of thrones all these characters are dead true everyone dies because this is 150 120 year no 180 years before game of thrones everybody's dead that's how that goes <laughs> marvel cgi yeah but yeah Thanks everybody for hanging out. I hope you have a great night. Look out for videos coming up soon. And if this is your first time here, I would definitely recommend checking out my, my Lara Strong video. What is it currently titled? House of the Dragon's newest mysterious spy master. That is a mouthful. I might change it again. Definitely check that one out for more Laris information. And I talked about the Maester conspiracy one. Are the Maesters killing the Targaryens? That one's, that's what that one's called. Not a lot of prophecy in this one. But a lot of strong content if you want to check it out and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, you guys have a good night and I'm going to let my voice rest.